You're listening to a news story on the audio version of The Taiyi. Thanks for listening. The Taiyi is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetaiyi.ca and become a Taiyi builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel any time. BC's youth are worried about their futures. The lead author is Katie Hislop. For the full list of contributors, please refer to your screen. February 27, 2024. A new health survey of nearly 40,000 BC teenagers offers a mixed bag of news about their well-being. The results of the 2023 BC Adolescent Health Survey, organized by the McCreary Center Society, were released February 21. Responses to the survey, conducted over the spring of 2023, came from 38,488 youth aged 12 to 19, studying in 59 of the province's 60 public school districts. Only the Peace River North District did not have the capacity to participate. The survey asked students over 146 questions about their lives, from their eating, exercise, and sleep habits, to their cell phone usage, relationships, sexual activity, and substance use, to their mental health, body image, and whether they felt safe in school. While self-reported substance use and sexual activity are at some of the lowest rates in the survey's 32-year history, teenagers who do partake are starting younger. And mental distress, particularly for female and non-binary students, has increased. Most of the kids are doing well. They're healthy, they're happy. But there's some who are in trouble, said Annie Smith, executive director of the McCreary Center Society. For Smith, the top concerns emerging from the survey are self-harm, earlier substance use, unprotected sex, and social isolation. Newly appointed Minister of Children and Family Development Grace Lohr, who could not attend the launch, made a video address thanking McCreary Center Society for producing a survey that helps inform ministry decisions. It provides valuable information, input and solutions on youth health and well-being directly from youth themselves, Lore said. Here are some of the most concerning and most encouraging findings, often from the same category, from the 2023 BC Adolescent Health Survey. Mental health and self-harm The 2023 survey is the first to take place after the COVID-19 pandemic shut down schools for much of the spring 2020 semester and transformed teaching and learning in the 2020-21 school year. It also comes on the heels of five years of record forest fires, floods, droughts, and repeated dire warnings about the impacts of human-accelerated climate change. All this is having an impact on young people's mental health, Smith said. 60% of young people reported good or excellent mental health. That's down from 73% in 2018 and 81% in 2013. Only half of females and 22% of non-binary students reported positive mental health, compared with 73% of males. Just 59% of young people feel hopeful about their future, down from 66% in 2018. They're less likely than five years ago to think that life is going well, that they have a good life, Smith said. And more likely to wish that they had a different life. A small number of young people, 13%, said they missed a couple of school days due to poor mental health. This statistic was highest for students in grades 11 and 12. 
Youth in lower grades were more likely than their older peers to report positive mental health. Smith said the number of youth who reported cutting or injuring themselves was shocking. Almost one quarter of youth are self-harming without the intent to kill themselves, up from 17% in 2018 and a big rise from a decade ago. Males are more likely to harm themselves by getting into a physical fight and females are more likely to starve themselves. Non-binary youth were four times as likely as males to have self-harmed in the past 12 months, and over four times as likely to have considered or attempted suicide. Nearly three-quarters of young people reported not needing mental health services in the past 12 months, while another 11% did and accessed them. But 18% of young people reported not being able to access the mental health services they needed, with the majority, 58%, reporting it was because they didn't want their parents to know. Talon Nato, a member of the Piapot First Nation who grew up in East Vancouver, and one of eight young musicians who put together a song and music video based on the survey responses, said he knows how difficult it is to access mental health care. I was trying to get counseling for about half a year, and I just couldn't find anyone, Nato said. Finally it came about and now I'm in counseling and it's really good. Smith noted that the province has made positive steps for child and youth mental health services, including offering support through foundry clinics, which young people can access for free. But the challenge, she said, is that many young people are unaware these clinics exist, don't have a clinic in their community, or are unable to access them for other reasons, like needing a ride from an adult. Interventions are needed earlier to remove stigma around admitting they need mental health help, Smith added. Substance usage is down, but starting younger. Overall, youth are using fewer substances such as alcohol and cannabis. But those who do use substances are starting younger. Just over a quarter of students reported vaping. The most common starting age was 13. Smoking continued its 30-year decline, just 15% of students reporting ever lighting up a cigarette, compared with 60% in the first survey in 1992. Alcohol use was also at its lowest rate in the survey's history, with just 38% of students having had a drink. But the most common starting age was 14. Despite legalization in 2018, cannabis use dropped to 22% from 25 in 2018. Most young people reported their first time trying the drug at age 14 or 15. But there was a slight increase in how many young people first tried cannabis at age 12-15%, up from 14% in 2018. Earlier substance use is concerning, Smith said, because we know that the younger people start to use, the more likely they are to go on to have problems with that use. Just 14% of young people had tried other substances, including mushrooms and a higher dose of their prescription medicine than prescribed. Survey results were released on the heels of news that the province would not prevent the pending closure of a 10-bed treatment program for youth dealing with concurrent mental health and addictions issues in North Vancouver. The only facility of its kind in Western Canada, it is scheduled to close on March 15. Sexuality, Gender, and Sexual Activity Half of respondents identified as male, 45% as female and 5% as non-binary up from just 2% of youth in 2018. 
three-quarters of young people identified as straight or heterosexual, a decline from 81% in 2018. Students in older grades were more likely to be sure about their sexuality and more likely to identify as pansexual and bisexual than their younger peers. Sexual activity among young people continues to decline. Just 17% of students reported having tried oral sex, a drop from 26% in 2008. 16% had tried intercourse, with the most common age, for their first time at 15. Sexual experience was most common in older grades. But Smith is concerned about the high-risk sex youth are having. There was an increase in youth, 39%, who reported using the pull-out method as a form of birth control. Only 53% of youth report using condoms during intercourse, a similar response rate to the 1992 survey. At the same time more youth, 19% versus 17% in 2018, reported using barriers for oral sex. I think we put a lot of effort into explaining to young people that if they're sexually active there are risks associated with oral sex, but we seem to have forgotten with intercourse where we see the drop in condom use. So that's concerning, Smith said. 7% of students reported being forced into sex by another student, while 2% had been by an adult. The gender breakdown showed non-binary, 18%, and female, 12%, students were more likely to report being forced into sexual activity than their male, 4%, peers. Relationships and loneliness Smith said she's concerned to see that kids have fewer friends and are doing fewer in-person activities. 94% of kids said they have at least one close friend in their school or neighborhood. This has decreased slightly since 2019, while the number of kids who reported having close friends online has increased slightly. Most students reported having three or more friends, something the report links to positive outcomes for youth. But at 69% of respondents, that is a decline from 2018, when 81% of youth reported having that many friends. 73% of youth reported getting along with people around them, the same percentage who said they had at least one trusted adult in their lives who wasn't family or a school community member. Two-thirds of grade 7 students felt connected to their family, though that decreased with age. A quarter of young people reported feeling lonely often or always, with a higher percentage of teenagers feeling that way in older grades. Improving outcomes for some vulnerable youth Asked about good news in the report, Smith pointed to how more indigenous youth are learning their ancestral language, with 32% reporting they know a handful of words and phrases, up from 28% in 2018, and 2% saying they are fluent. Raven's Children 6, a report analyzing responses from the indigenous students who participated in the broader survey, is forthcoming from McCreary's Young Indigenous Research Team. It's also good to see how supports for youth transitioning out of care at age 19 are starting to show results, Smith said. There was little in the survey about government care experience, but since 2018 financial, education and housing supports for youth from care have increased, with some support available indefinitely. Nina Sunday, a participant in McCreary's Youth Research Academy program for youth from care, said the report certainly has heavy themes. But she tries to hold on to the hope that young people do have, 
especially now that supports have expanded for youth from care. I would like to see increased mental health supports for youth, she said. A report from McCreary's Youth Research Academy is coming in the near future about the health and life experiences of young people in and from government care. Smith also noted the data on cell phone and tablet use was mixed, with fewer teenagers reporting using their devices to access pornography or engage in sexting. But 18% of students identified being told or feeling like they needed help with their social media usage. Swimming lessons as the canary in the coal mine. Rates of school connectedness and feelings of safety were both down. While most students still felt safe in supervised areas like the library and classroom, safety rates plummeted for change rooms, 72%, compared with 85% in 2018, and washrooms, 68%, compared with 86% in 2018. Asked why, Smith told the TAI they did not ask students for specifics on why change rooms and washrooms felt unsafe. But on the final page of the survey students were given space to add comments, and some indicated their school's decision to remove washroom doors to prevent vaping, or the presence of others vaping in the washroom, led to them feeling unsafe there. Non-binary youth reported feeling the least safe in these rooms, and the most likely to be bullied, Smith added. In a tragic coincidence, on the same day the report was released, news broke of a non-binary student in Oklahoma who died following a violent attack in a school bathroom, a year after trans students in the state were banned from using bathrooms matching their gender. While some schools have introduced gender-neutral washrooms for students, or made all washrooms gender-neutral to support trans and non-binary students, anti-LGBTQ2S rhetoric has made bathroom access a political lightning rod. Students who reported feeling most connected with their school were more likely to report positive mental health and hope for their future. But it wasn't just school, young people who felt most connected to the land and to nature also reported higher ability to handle stress in their lives. Students who lacked one or more items from McCreary's 11-point material deprivation index, which includes access to funds for personal use, hygiene products, appropriate clothing, a quiet space to sleep and more, were less likely to report positive mental health, a positive outlook on life or hopefulness for the future. One survey result that Smith said surprised and concerned her is how few kids knew how to swim or considered themselves strong swimmers. 9% of kids said they didn't know how to swim, and 29% said they were not confident swimmers. That talks about the barriers in a nutshell, she said. It's hard to get access if you live in poverty, you've got no adults whose responsibility it is to teach kids how to swim. It's all these issues, which is why it stood out to me. Thanks for stopping by the Taiyi today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the Taiyi.ca and click on the support us button to pitch in. Finally, big, big thank you to all of our Taiyi builders who made this story possible.